0: Welcome to One Stop Shop, a weekly podcast that helps ambitious e-commerce entrepreneurs learn from the best. Brought to you by Convergio. To learn more about managing all of your e-commerce tools, channels, and strategies from one dashboard, visit Convergio.com. On today's episode, we speak to Andy Hayes from Plum Deluxe.
1: The subscription model has gained popularity with e-commerce in the last few years because of obvious benefits. But how do you implement the subscription model? What does it take to create more than a membership program to actually turn loyal customers into tribe members who are looking forward to receiving communications from your business? Are there challenges and difficulties that come with a subscription model? And how does a business handle them? Tune in as Andy Hayes from From Deluxe, answers these questions, and more in today's episode. Hi, Andy, how are you?
2: Super. Excited to be here.
1: (laughs) Thank you. That's a great response. Excited, (laughs) to. All right. So tell us a bit about Plum Deluxe and how it all started out for you.
2: So Plum Deluxe is what we call the website that helps you create moments that matter. And we're mostly well-known for our Tea of the Month Club which is 10 bucks a month, and you get a surprise tea, perfect for the season. We also have an online e-commerce shop where people can just buy teas off the virtual shelf. If you don't like surprises, that's totally cool. Okay. Plum Deluxe has been around about 10 years. We did not have tea in e-commerce in the beginning. We tried a, quite a few different things. I actually have a technology background myself. I used to work in enterprise software, billion-dollar tech projects. So, as you can imagine, having my own website didn't really seem to be, you know, a struggle. But coming up with something that people were interested in and paying for is definitely the harder too, For me. So, when we started, it was right around the time when Facebook pages for businesses just started. I mean, it seems insane to say that that's like only been like, you know, less than 10 years ago, but they haven't been around forever. Mm-hmm. So Facebook pages were just starting. WordPress was just becoming kind of a thing. You know, it was starting to be more commercially viable. I mean, it had been around for a while, but it was the developers were very expensive. You didn't have all the, you certainly did not have all the options and bells and whistles that we have now. Mm-hmm. So to me, it felt like a great time to start an online business. The thing I actually wanted to do was start a magazine. And I had a lot of friends saying to me, Yeah, you know, that's not like the best Idea. Maybe you should do something online, which I thought would be well. I thought was a great idea. You know, like why not? So we started out Plum Deluxe, thinking that we were going to be an online magazine. So how do magazines make money? They have advertising. So to start, we had advertising, but it was more like sponsorships. We really we didn't want to have AdWords style sponsors, where we weren't in control of who was on our website. So we were doing sponsorships to start. Well, here's the funny thing is is if you don't have an audience, nobody wants to sponsor you. (laughs) Surprise, (laughs) surprise. So it took a long time to get a readership and an audience that was viable enough for sponsorships. And even then, that never really materialized. The content I felt like we really nailed from the beginning. Uh, People might find it interesting. The question that we kind of started off talking about was why are we better versions of ourselves when we're on vacation? That was the thing that kind of started it all. Mm -hmm. And that eventually evolved into, you know, creating moments that matter because what I found was, you know, especially for Americans who are the primary audience of what we were doing, aren't on vacation very often. So it's kind of hard to tap into that feeling of like that, you know, because I think a lot of people can agree, yeah, yeah, I am like a great person great version of myself on vacation, but I don't remember because I haven't been on vacation in 10 years. Yeah. But if we say like, okay, well, you know, let's stop for a second. Like, Elena, like what does it you know, mean to you to have a good morning? Or what does it mean for you to have a good day or be the best version of yourself in the evening? Then that's a little more approachable. So over the years we started to really hone the message and what we wanted to be known for. What do we want it to be about? What kind of conversation in this big internet thing we wanted to be a part of. But of course, the business side always struggled because as soon as we would kind of find our voice or figure out something really important about what Plum Deluxe stood for, we would have to figure out how that was monetizable. How was that a business? So the first, so I mentioned, the first thing was the advertising and the sponsorships. And that really just never was enough to build a business off of. You need to really have something sustainable. You need to get it to a point where you know you can afford the best writers, you can afford a team of people to work on, you can pay for advertising to get new readers to your site. So that just never really materialized. So then we started selling other people's stuff, like so affiliate marketing. So if you don't know what affiliate marketing is, it's just where you get paid a commission on selling somebody else's thing. Probably the most well-known is Amazon. You can get affiliate links for Amazon. And if somebody buys, you know, a barbecue grill for $100, you get, you know, $1.50 or something like that. So we started doing that. And again, we had this great concept and we created these like curated, you know, shopping galleries. But the commissions are so small, even even for Amazon, which was really cool because we would promote, I don't know, like these cool tea mugs. And then somebody would buy, like I said, a barbecue grill that costs $400. And so you would still get a bigger commission than off the teacup, but... It was still only like $4, you know, like it was just not enough to have a living off of. So then we did events. We tried to throw like curated events, you know, like if we're all about moments that matter, we could create moments for people. And that was horrible. That's a really hard business. If anybody's thinking about doing events, it's very hard. You have to get your butts in your seats and you have to get sponsors. So it's like two sides of an equation. So after all of that, finally said, you know... If we want to make a go with this, we have to have our own stuff. So that's where the e-commerce piece came in. Mm-hmm. And of course, if you think about slowing down, creating moments that matter, what kind of product like fits for that and tea was just the obvious fit. And I've actually lived in Europe much of my life. I live in Portland, Oregon now and that's where we're based. but I experienced a lot of different tea culture in my life and I felt like that was not represented here and I could create products that could fit what I thought. People were looking for, so four years ago we started tea Plum Deluxe Tea, trademark, <laughs> and I created four teas and a tea subscription because I thought it would be fun. You know, we all do these things where we think like, oh, that would be fun, and the subscription really took off. And now we have two thousand plus members in our subscription, and we have wow. over thirty teas on the website and growing.
0: All right. So you mentioned you were in Europe for a while and tea in general has a culture and has just like decades on decades, centuries even, of culture behind it. How do you feel like right now the culture is stateside regarding teas?
2: Well, if you are familiar with something, it's called the third wave of coffee. So it's, uh, if you look back at the history of coffee, and if you Google this, you'll find like tons of articles about it, the third wave of coffee. It was it's like the waves of coffee, and so it was like you know, coffee came here to the nor- North America, and and then like the second wave, it was like coffee was ubiquitous, and everybody had coffee, but it was kind of like the cheap stuff, or you know, people didn't really care about the quality. And then the third wave of coffee is when you had these this artisanal wave, where people really got into the specialty types types of coffee. You started seeing kind of really weird, eccentric coffee shops like. Places that only have like a pour over, or places that only sell Kenyan coffee, or places that only, you know, like these weird, interesting things. And I think that tea is going down the same exact road. And here in Portland is a great example because you see, there's people across the country that drink tea, right? There's kind of a tea culture, but it's not the mainstream. It's not like everybody drinks tea. Everybody, it's not like coffee where people say, you know, let's have, let's meet for coffee, let's have a coffee date. It's not like that, but it's going to be like that because you can see that these things are popping up where tea is really becoming a hit, especially with younger generations. So here in Portland, you have very weird tea retail concepts, like right down the street from our office, there's a tea bar that sells bubble tea and kombucha. That's all they sell. They sell nothing else. And it's very minimalistic. They have like no art on the walls. And you might think, well, that's crazy how they're going to survive, but they're doing just fine. So I think it's going to be, and I've thought this for a long time, it's going to be the third wave of tea. So if you Google the third wave of coffee, you'll see exactly what's going to happen to tea.
1: That's interesting. (laughs) Yeah, no, it's interesting because I think even without the bubble uh, tea, the kombucha itself alone, I think, is a sustainable business. And I've seen it. And some e-commerce stores that sell nothing but one, and I mean just one product, and that's kombucha tea. And I'm not saying this to, I would never go to someone and say, hey, you should probably start a business in this particular product. Because truth is, if some, even if something is trending, that's not enough to make a business around it. It takes a lot more mm-hmm. than that. You can't just, like, I'm seeing this pretty often. People who think, well, this particular product is trending right now, especially in the world of dropshipping, where it's so easy and the bar of entry is so low that it's so easy to just go to Shopify and create a, you know, an e-commerce store and pick one product and or several products that are trending and just think that your job is done and it's anything but, you know. <laughs> That's yeah, super- and,
2: I, and you know a great example for that is matcha. Yeah. Matcha is super hot. And I can't tell you how many there are faceless Shopify websites there are selling dropship matcha. Yeah. And sure, you can do that and you can make some cash. And if that's what you want to do, it's super. But I really think that people who want to do that will find it really unfulfilling. It's kind of a cold business. And eventually you're going to lose those customers to people who want to shop with e-commerce stores that have people behind them who really care about what they're doing, who take the time to try new things, to make sure that they really understand and appreciate the products that they sell and that you feel and you can see that they're actually having fun creating the matcha for you. Okay. So, you know, I really encourage people who see dropship Shopify wham bam setups as you know kind of a limited option there's a lot more that you could do that will be just as fulfilling and will be more sustainable
1: yeah absolutely and the interesting thing also is when you look at the pricing that these products are available at when you buy them from the seller when you're the person who's uh who you're doing drop shipping with The prices are so low, like you have to ask yourself a very basic question as a human being is when I'm getting a product and it's that cheap, it's either one of two things. Either the quality is really low or something fishy is going on in, (laughs) right? It's either the product quality is really, really poor or there's something really dark happening and you just because you don't know doesn't mean that you shouldn't care or that you don't have responsibility there as a business owner, because if there is anything like sweatshops or child labor or anything like that, and I'm not saying that everyone or even that most people who are in dropshipping are doing this, but you know, if something should cost $20 and it's being sold for $5, then something is not right. So that's always something to keep in mind. But I agree with you. I think the world needs more brands that care about the product and create and innovate and do something different, rather than like you said, just taking something out of the box and reselling it. And yeah. So one thing that was really interesting, when you first started answering the first question, you mentioned that it was very difficult to get that audience, right? Mm -hmm. And it's a catch 22, because a lot of our listeners are probably feeling like, where do I get started? You know, you can produce excellent content. But sometimes, I mean, if you don't have anyone reading it, or listening to it, you don't have followers, it almost feels pointless, if you know what I mean. Like all that effort you're putting into creating great content, and no one is paying attention to it. So how exactly do you build that level of interest? Or what did you do basically to build that kind of interest on your audience?
2: Well, the most important thing is to understand what people need or want. Otherwise, why are you building it? You know I feel like as on- ent- people who are entrepreneurial often do have a pretty good spider sense of what it is that we need, but there's some fine touches that you really just need to get out there and talk to people and understand, and at the same time that goes for your products wh- the things that you're offering, what are people looking for? What do people want? so you have to go out and talk to people,
1: so you have what to are call
2: you're them the- on the
1: phone okay. you have
2: to like. You know, go to networking events, show people, tell people your plans, pay attention in detail to what they say about it. So what I did, I was part of like a Friday morning coffee group for a long time. You could have tea, it was just called coffee, (laughs) you know, like whatever, you can have a mimosa if you want, but I would always run all of my concepts by people, especially people who maybe didn't know me or didn't know my business and would, you know, talk to them about, you know what we were creating, to get their feedback. The, there's a saying I always like to tell younger entrepreneurs in terms of years of being in business, not necessarily their age. But I forget what military general it, who said it, Patton or somebody, but the quote is, no plan survives first contact with the enemy. And I feel like that's a really appropriate thing to say about new products and any kind of marketing content, etc. You may have a great idea of what needs to be put out there, but your first shot always is going to have mistakes, problems, etc. So you need to get it out there and get feedback. If you have a product and it's not selling, if you have content and nobody's reading it, just looking at your sales report or your analytics and kind of feeling sorry for yourself is unfortunately not going to fix that. I wish it would, but it won't. What's going to fix it is to get in front of human beings who are breathing, who you feel like are your target audience, and see what they what they're feeling about it. Because you're gonna find out a whole bunch more information than just like your stats. If you have a product for women and you go to, you know, the mom business night at some local networking event and you tell people about your product and people are like, You know, over the moon about it, and go home and buy it. Then you know that you have a distribution problem. You're not getting to the right kind of people because the right kind of people are paying for stuff. But if you go and they're kind of like, yeah, like that's not, I'm not really interested, or that's not really interesting. Okay, why? You know, you like really got to go after it because if you want a business that's sustainable, if you want to sell things that people are really excited about and want, you have to chase down the why and I have in my experience you know you heard me I have done a million different things and every time the reason why I moved on to something else is because I talked to people and found that they just it just wasn't what people were looking for Mm -hmm. and the only way to find that out is to get it in front of them and you have to take it out to to events or trade show you know it really depends on the product here. Obviously, like, you know, if you have like coffee or tea, you know, you could do taste, you could have tasting nights, you could, you know, have people in your house, you could sponsor little, you know, networking things and ask people questions. But your success will be determined by the the amount of feedback that you get and the quality of questions that you ask those people about your product.
1: And it saves you a ton of time rather than just sitting there and speculating and asking yourself questions um, and answering them by yourself, which absolutely makes them be
2: true, yeah. Absolutely. absolutely, absolutely. You cannot grow a sustainable, healthy business by just playing around with your pay-per-click bids. That is not going to cut it. Yeah, you got to get out there.
0: One of the things that we do love about what you have going is this whole sense of community that you have—community um, of tea lovers. The fact that you're subscription-based, that you can. Receive these specialties per month, or that you can even give uh, like gift a membership. There's definite positives to these things. I'm sure you're you're seeing the repeat buyers. It's a little bit more predictable in terms of your sales opposed to selling individual products. What do you feel like are some other less obvious pros or benefits of your subscription model?
2: I can definitely tell you the cons. <laughs> sure, yeah, those are helpful too. <laughs> oh well, the con. I can tell you the biggest con of having a subscription business is logistics. We actually had to build our own custom CRM to handle the growth. And I am i have talked to the owners of other large subscriptions, and everyone else has done the same thing. That's why I did it. Otherwise, you need to just pay for software that is spendy to accommodate that kind of thing. So that's the con. That's the probably the only one I can think of is logistics. You got to really get good at that. You know, get good at buying things in, in advance, get good at batch processing, get good at organizing your storage <laughs> to handle, you know, things in batches. So it's pretty easy until you get to, you know, 500 subscriptions and then it starts to really get complicated. But the pros for me, I mean, it really depends on who you are as a person. But for me, one of the big pros is just really getting to know people and to being, a par- being a part of their life. And just being able to acknowledge, you know, because people are customers for so long, you can kind of remember them or or know things about them and acknowledge them in that way. You know, like they put in another order and you say, hey, you know, I saw that you moved last month. I hope everything went smoothly kind of thing. I find a great deal of value in that a great deal of satisfaction in that. It's also fun if you're somebody who likes to connect people because we have so many people, we we try to hook people up who live in the same place to kind of have like little meetups or something. And, you know, we don't get paid for that. It, we don't get any value out of that except for like kind of the satisfaction of connecting like-minded people. And so that's really fun. That's, you know, a nice aspect of that. Plus it's just the joy, you know, people really do enjoy our products. People enjoy the teas. They have A lot of great experiences with them. They like sharing them, and because we thought about community from the start and created forums, you know, Facebook group, different, you know, hashtags, all the all the things to enable people to be part of a community and really emphasize that they've taken advantage. And so it's it's fun to see all that, and it's fun to see and hear from people who email in and say, you know. The getting the purple package in the mail every month is like the highlight of my month. Thank you for making this, uh, you know, available. So, you know, for us, me and my small team, just being stewards of a community is 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 a both a responsibility and an honor. So, that's what? how we see it.
0: I was going to say, you just mentioned uh, having all of the things necessary for a community to, you didn't say flourish, but that's what, kind of what it sounds like for a community to grow. And you mentioned a couple things, hashtags, uh, Facebook group, that type of thing. If somebody mm-hmm. is debating on starting their own community around their service, brand, product, whatever, what do you feel like are some of the key things they should have in place?
2: Well, number one, back to earlier, talk to people and see what they want. So we asked, you know, I asked people if, They thought a Facebook group would be good, or should we have a forum? Like, what kind of? And people always said they wanted to see photos of other people's tea stations. So, so I knew then whatever community platform I had had to be really easy to put in photos. That's a great example of like something silly, but it's really important. So you have to have a platform. In my case, it's a Facebook group plus a members-only website because we have. A new product every month. You know, you get a different tea every month, so that kind of stacks up. So we have their own website to access some of their things, their like benefits or whatever, and how to you know how do I change my address, that kind of thing. So you need the platform. So you need to think about what does the platform kind of look like and what needs to be on it, and you probably need to ask people what do they when they need, and then you need to make sure that you have an onboarding process so people know how to become part of the community. And so for us, as soon as you join, you get prompted for that. And then we, I mean, we, we go all in. So you get prompted as soon as you join the subscription to access some of the community features. And because the, like the member's website, you have to create a login. We remind them that all of their perks and their codes are behind the login. So people like, Oh, well, I got to get a login. Cause I want to know what all the coupons are.
1: That's smart.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's uh, convenient and also tricky uh, to get them in there. As soon as they subscribe, we prompt them. And then we have a email autoresponder that all along the way has thoughtful reminders about some of their community perks. So, like, uh, after you've been a member for a month and a half, you know, we you, we send a check-in just to make sure, like, are you getting what you thought you are supposed to get? You know, did you want no caffeine, and you seem to be getting caffeine, Like, let us know, because if we don't know, we can't fix it. And we remind them about some aspect of the community. And then we, you know, later on down the line, we say, hey, don't forget about this. And oh, you know, here's another community thing that you should check out. So we remind them. Reminders are built in. And since we're mailing things, we send inserts. So we have a whole, you know, kind of worked out a strategy that you get an insert that reminds you that, Your subscription is not just a bag of tea in the mail it's these other things and here's how to get to them so there's all that but then i also think people should think about how do you really activate people how do you kind of make sure that that community that people people are being reminded but you know how do you even take it to the next level so for us a few things that we do we do gift swaps so people do like tea swaps little you know gift exchanges and to participate we we require you to post about what you got in the forum in the groups and people love that people just it's like people get really super excited on all the cards you know we talked about the hashtag Plum Deluxe Tea is the hashtag but actually when you get your thing in the mail it actually has a prompt on it that says hey you know share you know your tea station or you know it has different prompts about what to do and then in the beginning as a you know, company, we would post things in the community as well that were not about sales or promotions. We would post you know, just interesting things. And it's now to the point where we don't post as much because people are posting so much that there's almost too much stuff, <laughs> which is a great problem to have. Yeah. But we still try to be mindful of, we don't want to be like, every time we post, it's about money. You know, it's like buy something. We still try to post as persons, you know, like, as me, Andy, but also, like, in the owner's role today and telling you about, don't forget to buy this thing. So we try to also contribute, post, you know, posting things that are interesting or cool or, you know, on point. Like, we post uh, every Wednesday, we do a, like, thoughtful question. So mm-hmm. that's something that happens, like, every week, so.
1: Are you familiar with uh, Gary Vaynerchuk?
2: I am yes.
1: Have you read his book? I think it's called Jab 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 Hook or something like that. Not I have mistaken.
2: not. I have not, but I am familiar with the concept. Yeah. And and we might jab hook jab hook. I'm not sure. <laughs>
1: yeah. uh, it's basically that. I mean, I read the book many years ago, so I don't. My memory is not the greatest. But the main thing I got out of it was what you just described right now, which is. A lot of times, businesses make this mistake in social media. They don't respect the native language that's spoken on that specific platform, and they go in not minding what people are already doing on that platform. So they would go on Twitter, and, or let's say they go on Instagram, and they post a lot of text, but no beautiful images, or in, on Pinterest, and they would... Neglect to get a beautiful image where that's what Pinterest is supposed to be about, inspiring images and boards and DIY and stuff like that. And they're all about just hammering this idea of buy my product, here's a discount, here's a sale, here's what's going on in the business side. And they forget to speak like human beings, like you said. and People aren't on social platforms to hear about the sales. They're there to communicate with their friends and to see beautiful things and to see videos and stuff like that. And so, it's very important, like you said, that when a business is using social media, and by all means, you don't have to use all of them. Are you using all of them?
2: I think so. The main one. I mean, the main ones are obviously Pinterest for us is number one. And Facebook. Facebook. Uh, yeah, and then email. Twitter a little bit, but I I Twitter is not that exciting these days
1: no. at least for me. <laughs> no, <laughs> sorry, <Yeah>. Twitter. But. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have to see. I mean, I never had a Twitter account, and I was never really interested in Twitter, honestly.
2: And and then Instagram, I forget about that one.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's definitely a visual platform. But then you're not on, for example, on Snapchat, right, or any of the other.
2: No, have not managed. Have not managed that.
1: Yeah, But of-
2: but I have a good excuse because I feel like our core customer, like the kind of person that we uh, really, really market to, is not a big Snapchat user. So.
1: Yeah, well, you'd be surprised because Snapchat, <laughs> when, it, when, it, when it came out, it was full of 13-year-olds. And then soon after, it was filled with, like, 30-year-old moms. So it's just you never know. Yeah. I mean, yeah.
2: You never know. You never know. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, but
1: it's, but it's not necessary to be on all of the platforms. I think every business should just focus on what serves them best or whatever marketing strategy they have. So this is this is what I was trying to get to. From everything that you said, it sounded to me like you have a very thought out and thorough plan and strategy for everyone. You've got this whole funnel planned out and mapped out. And it sounds, honestly, when you explain it, it sounds like not only a lot of work, but a lot of management. So how much of this process that you just mentioned to to us, how much of it is automated versus things that you have to think about on a daily basis? And how often, if it is automated, how often do you review it and make adjustments?
2: Excellent, excellent point. So number one, I want to give people permission to not have a fully thought out strategy from day one. So our strategy has been developed over the years, and we layer things on top of it. So think of, just think of it like a house, right? Like if you are out in the cold and you need a house, you can just start with something very basic. And then as you have the funds and the effort, you can add on to the house, like, you know take it from a little straw house to a wood house and then add another story and then add a basement and then add the storage it's the same concept so so you do not need a crazy intensely thought out plan like we have from day 1 cuz we didn't have one and the thing is too is you, remember you got to get those products right first so we did not go so intense as to how thoughtful our plan was until we got really deep into things but let me just go through a little Example before I get back to your question. So, like, if you think about Plum Deluxe from the start, what solid plan did we have? Well, we knew that Pinterest was going to be very successful. We had a lot of following on Pinterest. We had a relationship with Pinterest, you know, like they were featuring us in their newsletters. So, our first thing was we sat down and got really clear and specific about our boards on Pinterest and how often we'd update Pinterest and that plan is still in place today it's still crucial really specific great plan the whole idea about like optimizing the image sizes and being consistently on brand with our image text came like the next 2 years later right like it's totally an evolution so just start you know the thing i want to encourage people to do is just identify what you know you need to do and create a thoughtful plan for doing it doing those little pieces first, right? And once you get those working really well, you can go to the next thing and it, you know, and if you need to try just you're not really sure like what the plan is, like just get some stuff out there, right. And find out what the feedback is. So for us, for how we manage everything is, yeah, I'm a big fan of automation. We do as much as possible. So email, we have a lot of automated emails. Most, a lot of that only has been in the last six months. So for the subscription, because it's based on when you start, when you join. That's all just a MailChimp sequence, which you know I spent a, probably a month with a copywriting friend. We wrote everything, really thought it out, thoughtful coupon codes, thoughtful offers, et cetera, you know, asking for referrals, blah, blah, blah. So that's all happens, and I don't have to do anything. And then for the e-commerce store, there's this cool tool called Conversio that handles all those emails. <laughs> <laughs> so that is another great example where, you know, hey this would, so again, work your way up to it. So we started with Conversio when it was back called Receiptful. And we only had receipts. Yeah. And we only had receipts because it highlighted the blog post, the latest blog post. And that's all we needed. So that's what we started with. Mm-hmm. Started with that cool receipt. That's good enough. And then last year it was like, okay, we need to follow up with people. Let's like work on that. Now that we have great products and and enough of a following that people actually want to be followed up with. So, you know, it's just all incremental. So we don't have to worry about any of the emails. So really for emailing people, we write a weekly email to everybody and then a monthly email to subscribers. So those are like five emails a month. That's not that big of a deal. And then the social media, there's somebody on the team that does all of that. And it's all batched, you know, so we kind of plan it out. We know we at the beginning of the month, we load up all the blog posts and get those all, you know, organized. And we manage all of that in Asana. So we use recurring tasks in Asana to make sure that you don't forget to do something. We've been doing it for a long time now, so it's pretty straightforward. But, you know, as we grow, we kind of optimize our efforts. You know, we but we have checklists for everything like uh, an, a, a great checklist item that people should put on their list is do a photo shoot. You know, if you have e-commerce, if you have physical products and you have social media stuff to do, you should really have every month a reminder to go do photos,
0: yeah. even
2: if it's like half an hour. Mm-hmm. But, you know, if you cherry, like right now, like the cherry blossoms, are, there's flower petals everywhere. So that's like a great time to like get out there and like just get a few handful of shots because it'll be they'll make your life much easier. So, yep. but again, just you know, one step at a time. Decide what piece of the puzzle you really need to lay out and organize, and just do that. So we did not wake up one day and have all these checklists that are really thoughtfully laid out. It was like, hey, you know, social media is really rocking and rolling. Let's let's get this organized. Let's like set it up. So it's easy to follow. The thing that I like to try to do is once we really have mastered something and understand it's the right, it's working in the correct way, I like to make sure that whomever is working on it sets it up in a way that somebody else could do it for them while they're sick or if they quit. That's a yeah. great way to think about it. Because most people find relief in the idea that everything they do is organized and written down in a checklist or in an asana you know, project so that they could get help if they need it. That's how I always like to look at it, right? Like, wouldn't it be great if your job was straightforward enough that, you know, somebody could help you when you need it? So,
1: Yeah, or you can give it away to somebody else and not be completely controlled by it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Andy, it was great talking to you and learning about your business and your products. I really wish we had more time hours to speak to you and (laughs) to talk about not only your products, but also the philanthropy and the fellowship fund and all the cool things that Plum Deluxe is doing and the projects that you guys support. We will definitely link to all these things in the description of the episode. Where can our listeners find out more about you and your products and the projects that you support?
2: Just visit PlumDeluxe.com. So that's Plum, like the fruit, P-L-U-M, and Deluxe with an E, D-E-L-U-X-E.com.
0: Perfect.
1: Thank you so much.
2: Awesome. You're Thank welcome. You. Take care, everyone.
0: One Stop Shop is a production of Convergio. Learn how to manage all of the marketing tools, channels, and strategies that you need from one dashboard by visiting Convergio.com. This podcast was produced in partnership with Come Alive Creative. For help building, improving, and marketing your e-commerce store, visit comealivecreative.com. To listen to more episodes or to give us a rating, please visit convergio.com forward slash iTunes.